This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec, the place to stay updated and educated. Hello and welcome everyone. Episode 355 of the Tech Guide podcast. My name is Stephen Fennec. I'm the editor of techguide.com.au. Great to have your company once again. Thank you for listening. Do we have any first-time listeners? Welcome to you as well on this week's show. Apple's product designer Johnny Ive has announced he is leaving the company. And you can say goodbye to the notch. Oppo has invented an underscreen camera. And Telstra has also completely revamped its mobile plans. In the Tech Guide reviews, we're going to check out the Samsung Galaxy S10 5G. We'll also take a look at the Mighty Pet light-up LED dog collars and leashes. And we'll also take you inside the reimagined Apple Store in Bondi. And we'll wrap things up with the Tech Guide help desk. And it's all brought to you by Netgear, the company that can keep you connected, and Norton, the company that keeps you protected. Big news coming out of Apple this week, and the news is that Apple's chief designer, Johnny Ive, Sir Johnny Ive, is leaving the company. He's leaving Apple to form his own design company. He joined the uh, the Apple company back in nine in the early nineties, and at a time when Apple was a little was struggling. And when Steve Jobs returned to the company in the late 90s, he formed this incredible partnership. Jobs referred to him as his spiritual partner at Apple, and together they went on to create history and turned Apple into the powerhouse that it is today. Johnny I, for those who don't know, is the designer, the industrial designer behind Apple's iconic products. His first big hit was the was the new iMac announced in 1998 you can remember it had uh, it had like a translucent case i think the first one was actually was actually bondi blue and then there was all series of colors made the following year that was the the time when the iMac became not just a boring beige computer but this 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 beautiful thing to look at and that that's johnny ives work and he went on to uh, go on to create other products, iconic products. Just a little, just a little old product called the iPod back in two thousand and one. Followed that with the iPod Mini in two thousand and four. And who can forget probably his greatest triumph in two thousand and seven, the iPhone. Now he and Steve Jobs, as I said, formed this amazing working relationship, and went on and. Be- turned Apple into the most valuable company in the world. Uh, The 52-year-old will not be lost to Apple, though. He will also become, uh, not not only will he be forming his new company, the company's called Love Form, uh, but Apple will also become his first client. So he's not lost to Apple, even though he might not be working in-house, he's still going to be fairly influential uh, in the business. But the other products he went on to design, the, the MacBook Air in 2008, the iPad in 2010, Apple Watch in 2015, and also had a hand, a major hand in Apple's AirPods in 2016. The reaction to the news, though, wasn't the best uh, on the stock market. Uh, the shares fell 1.5%, which to you and I doesn't sound like a whole lot. 
But that actually, just by dropping just 1.5%, it actually wiped nearly $13 billion from the company's value. So uh, a little bit bigger than a hiccup there, $13 billion. That's a fair bit. But what's going to happen now for Apple? Everyone's saying, can, can, they, can they go on without this guy? He seems to be the driving force, the design force anyway, behind these great products. And Apple's always been a fairly design-driven companies, the thing that stands Apple products out from other other products in the market, other competitors, is just their beautiful design of their of their products. Steve Jobs, uh, the, the the former CEO, the late CEO, was was the sort of person who, when Apple was in its formative years, was looking to not only make his products, the Apple products, functional, but also beautiful. He, he was he was as much uh, had had as much uh, eye for detail this attention to detail from the inside of the product to the outside of the product so I think that that culture carried through and Johnny Ive naturally took that as part of his his design his design philosophy as well and carried that through uh, he's been at the company for a fairly long time. And not having him at the company, there's a few people who are wondering what Apple's future holds. Can they can they go on without him? What well, what's the next big thing that they can produce? And has he had a hand in it? From what we're hearing, uh, the designs that he's been working on are for products that we're going to see two and three years in the future. That's how far ahead Apple were working on various versions of devices. Uh, as you know, in the tech world, there's a, a fair fair way ahead you need to work. Uh, some companies are working on a product we're not going to see for two years. Uh, I think the phone cycle, I think, is about a 24-month cycle. So the phone that you're going to see in 2021 is already being worked on right now. So development is well underway just to make that deadline. So uh, Johnny Ive will be leaving his full-time position at Apple, but again, uh, he'll, will, he will still have a relationship with Apple. In the meantime... The Apple design team leaders, Evans Hankey, who's the VP of Industrial Design, and Alan Dye, who's the VP of Human Interface Design, that needs a design as well, the interface, they will now step into Johnny Ive's rather large shoes and will report directly to Apple's Chief Operating Officer, Jeff Williams. Now, Tim Cook has said that uh, after 30 years and countless projects, he is he's very proud of the lasting work that he's done to create uh, not only the products, but the team behind the products, that design team, the process and culture at Apple uh, is a result of, uh, of his great work. Uh, so, yeah, it's uh, interesting to see what the company is going to do next. Uh, what what are they going to uh, are they the people who were left behind that were obviously influenced by Johnny Ive? He's obviously set up a, a fantastic design team. So in his absence, I'm sure they're going to step into the role. But his new his new firm Love Form uh, will still have Apple on the books, and I'm sure he's going to have a major influence in their products still moving forward. You want to read more about that story? Check it out at TechGuide.com.au. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec. Now, it's not unusual to see today's smartphones which are packing in even more cameras uh, to have notches and space on the front of the device to actually fit in the camera. 
I think the first company to introduce a notch was Apple when they released the iPhone 10 a couple of years ago, and other companies have followed suit to fit in that to fit in those front cameras, yet still allowing larger screens as well. Samsung took it a step further this year with the Galaxy S10 range with their Infinity O display, which basically is a hole punch in the screen, to allow the cameras to poke through. Uh, other companies have created cameras in very thin bezels on the, on the screen to to increase that screen to body ratio, and it, it's just something I think the customers have come to accept now uh, in the modern smartphone. As long as they're getting their front facing cameras, that's the reason why you need to create that space. Either the notch, other companies call it a teardrop, so it's it's the space that the screen has to give to fit in a camera, so the camera can actually see through and take your photos. Well, that's all about to change thanks to Oppo, the Chinese company has unveiled at the Mobile World Congress in Shanghai the world's first underscreen camera. So what this basically means is, yes, there can be a camera, but you don't need to make room for it. It can actually shoot through the screen. This USC technology, underscreen camera that is short for, uh, integrates the front-facing camera into the screen structure. So you can still get a complete view of your display and the camera can still take its photograph through the screen. The module sits behind the redesigned screen pixel structure and uses the the transparent screen to actually enhance the transmittance of light. So it utilizes the structure of the screen to help force more light into the lens. Uh, There's also customized haze removal and white balance algorithms to provide that complete photography experience and we're talking here not only taking photos it's fully functional so capturing photos but can also that camera can also be used for face unlock and also for making video calls so that's quite a breakthrough when you think about how much screen real estate that customers are craving now that's one of the reasons why smartphones have become so large is that we we want this much this this bigger space to view our content on the moves. Uh, our expectations are getting higher and higher and being able to provide customers with that uninterrupted view of their content is something that companies are striving for. Now, Oppo in this instance have really have cracked the formula to provide a, another wanted feature, which is the front selfie camera, while at the same time being able to provide a full screen view. So customers are getting the best of both worlds in this situation. Uh, really interesting to see when this is going to appear on their devices. My my tip is we probably won't see this USC technology on any devices until probably 2020. I can't see them rolling it out in the next six months. Uh, as I said earlier, you, they do work a couple of years ahead with their phone with their phone production uh, and design. So I don't know how long this has been cooking in the in their research and development labs, but I, I can't see this being seen on a device, on an Oppo device, until 2020. I hope I'm wrong. I'd love to see it in a device this year, but uh, I'm pretty sure that their, their roadmap is planned out for this year and probably well into next year. So interesting to see when this is going to be included. It, it reminds me of another feature that was unveiled a couple of years ago was, uh, was the in-screen fingerprint reader. 
I think it was unveiled about a year and a half ago, and it took about a year, just under a year, for it to appear in devices. So I'm, I'm pretty sure this may follow the same kind of production production follow uh, from from conception to inclusion, uh, maybe about a year. So we're looking at 2020. But how good is that? You can get a front-facing camera that you can't even see. It shoots through the screen of the of the phone, and uh, with th- thanks to that redesigned pixel structure in, in the camera area, it's not the whole screen that'll be different. It's only in that camera area where it's slightly more translucent material can be seen there. But you're still going to get your great photos. It'll still use it as face for your face unlock as well. And you'll still have all of that screen space to do with what you like. You want to see how that operates. There's an image on Tech Guide to give you a look inside how that customized camera module works. And for more information, you can head over to techguide.com.au. Telstra have announced their new mobile plans. Uh, they've done quite the revamp over at Telstra. Would you believe before this announcement there were more than 1,800 phone plans at Telstra? Can you believe that? Well, since, uh, since they announced their restructuring and their revamping of the whole thing, uh, they've decided to go from 1,800 down to just 20. Now, these new plans are also another first for Telstra. They have no lock-in contracts. So you can go month to month with these mobile plans. They start at $50 for the 15 gig, the 15 gig plan. That's small. The medium plan is 60 bucks for 60 gig of data and moving up to large, that's $80 for a hundred gig. And then the extra large is a hundred dollars for 150 gigabytes. And as I said, month to month contracts, no locking contract. So if you wanted to add a phone, You either bring your own phone, so buy a phone outright, or if you want to pay a phone off, you get a chance to do that over 24 or 36 months. It's very similar to what Vodafone introduced two and a half or three years ago with their plans that allow you to have that flexibility. So, for example, if you're on a on a very high data plan and you may be uh, on a holiday for a month or two, you might want to just go down to the lower data plan and save yourself 20, 30 bucks a month. So it gives you that flexibility or vice versa, you are moving up to, you need to be doing more work in one particular month or you're going on a work trip or something, you can increase your data allowance for a certain period to suit your needs. So you're not stuck with the same plan for 24 months and no way of getting out of it. With this approach from Telstra, it does give the customer a little bit more flexibility. Same deal with the phone. You can either BYO phone. If you've already got a phone, you're happy with your existing phone, then you can use that or you can pay it off over two years or three years. Uh, But you need to look a little bit further at the fine print of the Telstra mobile plans. Yes, they've got no locking contracts, and there's a little line in there about 5G network access. What they're saying on the $50 and $60 plans, that there is free a free trial of the 5G network access that runs until June 30, 2020. So that's a year. In one year's time, all plans have free access to the 5G network. From the 1st of July 2020, 
customers on the $50 or $60 plans will be charged a $15 per month 5G tax. This is opt-in. So if you want to access 5G on those lower plans, then you need to have to cough up another $15 per month to do that. So if you're on a $50 plan and you want to access 5G, your plan is suddenly going to be $65. And if you're on the $60 plan and you want to access 5G, you're going to have to move up to $75. So if you're on a $75 plan, you might as well move up to the $80 plan, which has 40 gig more data and free 5G network access that's built into the price. So if you've got $80 plan or the $100 plan, 5G network access is included in the plan's pricing. You want to try to save some dollars, then 5G is not included in the plan. And if you want it, you need to pay $15 per month. There's a few customers who'll probably think, they don't care. 4G is good enough for them. It works fine, and they're going to stay on their own plans. So this is a move, I think, from Telstra to try and encourage customers to spend more money per month, uh, the ARPU, they call that, average revenue per user. Telstra are no doubt trying to increase that ARPU for their customers, hence the reason why they want to encourage those lower plan customers, the paying only 50 and 60 a month, to pony up an extra 15 if they want to access the Ubut 5G network, which in 12 months' time will be a lot better than it is today. You can hardly find it. If you, uh, if, uh, We'll talk about that in a minute with our Samsung uh, S10 5G review, but you can hardly find these things at the moment because uh, the, net, the 5G network is a little bit skinny on the ground. Uh, but the, the plans, there are also mobile data plans as well, starting at $15 a month for 5 gig, going all the way up to $75 for 100 gig. And the same deal applies to the data plans. Mobile data, $25 and $15 plans, you need to pay up an extra 15 per month to access 5G. It's free till 30th of June 2020. 1st of July 2020, 15 a month to access 5G. The more expensive $50 and $75 plans, their 5G network access is included in that pricing. Plenty of new plans there. We've got them all at Tech Guide. There's uh, also there's consumer plans, also some business plans with some slightly uh, different offerings, uh, slightly different uh, data offerings as well. But they've brought it all all down from 1,800 plans. Can you believe that? Down to just on 20 plans. And Telstra, uh, if you're a Telstra customer. Uh, or thinking of becoming a Telstra customer, uh, these are something to consider. We've had a few, some feedback from readers. Uh, they've gotten rid of their unlimited plan, which was seen to be all the all the rage about a year ago. The unlimited plan meant that you had a certain amount of data at full speed, and that if you went over that allowance, you get throttled back to a, a slower speed. So I think it still applies here because... They have said there are no excess data charges in Australia. So if you go over your limit, you'll be throttled back as if you'd be on an unlimited plan anyway. Uh, or you can choose to pay, I think, 10 bucks for a gigabyte extra per month. Uh, but they won't charge you excess data charges if you go over. Uh, you need to, but if you want to be full speed, um, th- there's a small charge to get extra data at full speed. So it's kind of the same as the unlimited or infinite plans that they were called. They were unlimited with a big asterisk on it. So unlimited for this amount of data. Uh, and then once you go over that, you can still go go hard on the data, but it's going to be very, very slow. So uh, that, that was the catch there. 
But all those plans, all those mobile data plans, if you want to check them out, you can see them at techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly supported by Netgear. They're Australia's number one Wi-Fi brand. You upgrade your smartphone and your TV and your laptop. When was the last time you upgraded your home Wi-Fi? It's probably been a while. Well, the future of Wi-Fi is here. It's time to welcome Wi-Fi 6. If you watch your shows on services like Netflix, you need the newest line of high-performance routers from Netgear. It's like giving your streaming the VIP treatment. The Netgear Nighthawk Wi-Fi 6 routers gives you ultra-fast speeds and wider coverage throughout your home. You get four times the capacity compared to today's Wi-Fi, which means you can connect more devices and stream simultaneously without impacting Wi-Fi speed and reliability. The devices of today and tomorrow demand more, so what you need is high-performance Wi-Fi that can keep up with you and your entire family. It's the biggest revolution in Wi-Fi ever, and you can be one of the first to have the next generation of Wi-Fi 6 technology with a Netgear Nighthawk router. Turn your Wi-Fi up to 6 with a Nighthawk Wi-Fi 6 router. Go check it out today at netgear.com slash Wi-Fi 6. That's netgear.com slash Wi-Fi and the number 6. And now, a Tech Guide review with Stephen Fennec. Kicking off our reviews this week is the Samsung Galaxy S10 5G. Yes, it's our first 5G smartphone review on the Tech Guide podcast. And boy, haven't Samsung come up with a product and a half here. This is, I think, without a doubt, the best device, best smartphone Samsung has come up with. They've basically taken all the cool features over the 10 years of the Galaxy and of the S10, which was introduced earlier this year, and then just given given them all, put them all on steroids. The screen's bigger, the battery's bigger, the processor's bigger, and it's 5G, and there are more cameras. So it's the the absolute top-of-the-line device you can buy from Samsung. The S10 5G was the, was the first 5G device to come to market, actually, and available through the Telstra network. Uh, it is available through Telstra right now, as a matter of fact. Uh, but let's look at the design. It does look a little like the S10. It sort of has that same design language. It has almost the most of the style and shape of the S10+, Plus, but a little bit of extra polish. It is bigger. It's got a 6.7-inch Quad HD dynamic AMOLED Infinity O display. That's quite a mouthful. The display is, uh, there are two front-facing cameras as well, so that cutout is a little bit larger than what you see on the S10 because there is a depth sensor in there as well. We'll talk about that in a moment. But uh, we love big screens, and this larger screen, the quality is incredible. It's going to—it's just a joy to look at whenever you pick, pull it out of your pocket or out of your bag. Uh, it also has the ultrasonic in-screen fingerprint readers, like the S10 that was introduced with the S10 and the S10 Plus. Uh, but the good thing about it, though, despite being so big, such a big device, it still fits pretty nicely in your hand because of that 16 by 9 screen and just the, the, the thin bezels. It's still it's not a it's not a brick in your hand, a big phone in your hand. It's still it's still pretty, pretty. Uh, it, it, it holds nicely. It fits nicely in your hand, I should say. Uh, two cameras, as I said, peeking out the front, four cameras on the back. So you've got. There were, there were five cameras with the S10 Plus, but now they've added even more. So the, the two in the front, 
four cameras in the back. So it's the four lenses and also the depth sensor as well. Uh, we had the Crown Silver Galaxy S10. Uh, amazing looking, but it is an absolute fingerprint magnet. And you just got to, um, unless you want to put a, the translucent, the transparent case that comes in the in the box with it, uh, you do need to sort of to, to polish it throughout the day because it does pick up the fingerprints. In fact, our picture on our review on Tech Guide, you can see quite clearly all the smudges and everything on the back there. Uh, on the left edge is the volume rocker key and the dedicated Bixby button. On the right edge is uh, nothing but the power lock key. So it's pretty clean looking. Along the bottom, you've got a USB-C charging port, uh, a little speaker grill, and a headphone jack. There's still a headphone. Samsung is hanging in there with a the headphone jack. Uh, like its other devices too, it's water-resistant uh, with an IP68 rating. Uh, the Galaxy S10 also under the hood is uh, pretty solid. It has 8 gig of RAM, uh, and you can choose either the 256 or 512 gigabyte variant, so that uh, different internal storage there. But one little thing we didn't like, uh, there's no expandable storage anymore. So uh, no micro SD card uh, storage anymore. It's all uh, either internal memory or store it in the cloud. Uh, I think... That, that uh, lost a couple of points for me uh, because I really enjoyed having like entire series of shows on one micro SD card that I could take on a plane and enjoy them without having to access stuff from the from the cloud. Um, that's one thing. If I had a choice of including an extra feature, it would have definitely been that micro SD card. You don't get it with the S10 5G. I'm a little disappointed about that. But apart from that, uh, on the performance side, the S10 5G is incredible. It's uh, really easy to move between screens and uh, respond. Everything responds instantly when you when you open up apps and things like that. Now, this is a 5G phone, don't forget. So let's talk about the 5G performance, or I should say lack thereof. The Telstra 5G network is still pretty thin on the ground and very limited coverage in CBDs and airports. I live, our offices here are not far from Sydney Airport, and if uh, on the map that Telstra provided, their 5G map, uh, we were right under the purple patch that indicated 5G coverage. We were in the Sydney CBD last week and did actually have 5G reception. So on the phone, it actually said 5G. And I thought, I'm going to give this a speed test. And when I ran the speed test, it was only like about 60 megabits per second. You've got to remember a few weeks back when Samsung did their speed test uh, in, at their launch, they, I think they got 1.2 gigabits per second, uh, but that wasn't the case with me. I, I have used it around Sydney, around the CBD, uh, near the airport, and the best I got was I think it was about 250 megabits per second, which is nothing to sneeze at, but nowhere near the massive speeds uh, that they had at the launch. They must have had this special cell there for that event, but uh, not too bad at what we're getting. But the good news is, though, it's going to get better. So despite the take 5G out of this completely, this is still an incredible device that you know is going to get better in terms of 5G coverage. And don't forget, Vodafone and Optus are going to have 5G in, in the coming months and next year. So uh, 5G is going to be a lot more available than it is now. At the moment, not too much, but don't let that be a deal breaker because 
it is coming. It is going to get better. Um, but bottom line, if you think you're going to get amazing 5G speeds at the moment, you're going to be you're going to be disappointed. Uh, but they are coming. As the Telstra 5G network is being built out, the coverage, of course, will improve across Australia, capital, major cities, regional centres, uh, and that will improve. But just not right now. But it is coming. Galaxy 510, it's great now. The 5G network will improve, and it'll get faster. Now, let's talk cameras. Uh, again, Samsung has really upped the ante here and taken the camera that was in the S10 Plus and made it even better with a total of six cameras. So two on the front, four on the back, and the cameras include on the back include a 12-megapixel telephoto, 12-megapixel wide-angle, and a 16-megapixel ultra-wide and a 3D depth camera that doesn't actually take pictures, but it judges the distance so that you can get incredible bokeh effects and portrait shots. Uh, The 3D depth camera also works for other cool features, one called Quick Measure that lets you measure both distance and objects just by pointing your camera in that direction. So if you want to see how tall a table is or how much space you have if you want to fit a fridge in your kitchen or whatever, it'll measure all those things for you. On the front are are dual 3D depth sensing cameras as well. So that'll let you take the best selfies you've ever done. Uh, Great portraits. Also works with video as well. Shooting video portrait style with this is fantastic. It is really, really cool. Uh, it is, it's kind of bringing it into the same ballpark, in my opinion, as the, the Huawei P30 Pro. That was, to me, the best smartphone camera ever produced. This is not far behind it. I think it's, it's competitive. Uh, so yes. The other thing that's gotten bigger on the S10 5G, apart from the screen, is the battery. That's got a 4,500 milliamp hour capacity, uh, easily lasted the whole day and into the evening. Uh, so it's not a two-day battery by any means, but we did use this pretty heavily and it cruised through the day and, as I said, well into the night. But you're not going to be stranded. It's not a two-day battery, as I said, but you're not going to be left stranded at the end of the workday. Uh, overall, very, very nice device that 5G is just only going to get better. Without a doubt, their best phone that Samsung's ever produced. Onboard features alone are a standout. The fact that 5G is there is a bonus, uh, but it's going to get better. So uh, check it out. If you want to buy it outright, it's not cheap. It's $1,999. That's $2,000 for the phone. Or you can check it out on a Telstra plan. If you want to read our review, you can check it out at techguide.com.au. Next up, we're talking Mighty Pet Collars and Leashes. These are pretty cool, I've got to say. I've got two Dalmatians. Our Dalmatians are brothers, Ziggy and Logan. Ziggy is the older. He's seven years old, and his younger brother, Logan, is five. So they're from the same mum and dad, different litters, of course, but uh, they're bros. They're they're inseparable. They're always together, and we like to show them off a little bit. You know, they, they, they love attention, our dogs, and whenever we take them down for a walk down the beach or down the park, a lot of kids get really excited because it's, for them, the first time they've seen a real Dalmatian. They've seen plenty of them in cartoons and, and other shows like that. So when they see a real Dalmatian, they always come up and ask if they can give them a pat, and which we always say, of course they can. They, they love getting a pat, our dogs. 
But now we've uh, we've made them glow with these amazing Mighty Pet LED light up collars and leashes. So these are this is Mighty Pets, a sub brand of Laser, who we've, we've spoken about their products many times on the show before. So if you've got a, if a, a little pet pooch and you want to uh, make them stand out from the crowd or make them a little bit more visible in the street, uh, especially when they're crossing the road, if you want to, if they're running in the park, maybe at dusk or at night, you can you can see exactly where they are because these things light up. They're LED lights inside the collar. They're made from pet-friendly nylon material, but inside the material, you can see the LED lights shining through. It's a red LED light. Uh, someone, someone sent me a message on Instagram uh, that said if they were blue, they would look straight out of Tron, uh, which I had a bit of a chuckle at. Uh, if you want to see photos on Tech Guide, you see what I mean. But they are red. They do glow. They stand right out. And uh, uh, there's, there are three light modes as well uh, for the leashes and the collars. Uh, there's a little button on the side of the of the clip, and you press that to go to the different light modes. So you can make it flash really fast. You can make it a slow flash or just have it constantly glowing. So those three modes, you can switch between them just by pressing the button, uh, which is right beside the micro USB charging port. So I'm sure you've never said to yourself, I better charge the leashes and the collars. Well, that's, that's something else you've got to charge now if you do want to take up the Mighty Pet LED light-up collars and leashes. They're a lot of fun. If you want to give your pet this literal, literally make them glow with these these amazing collars and leashes. There are three sizes in the collars because our dogs are big, so they have the biggest ones. Uh, but there's small, which is 28 to 46 centimetres, that's $30. The medium, which is 40 to 55 centimetres, that's $33. And there's a large, 46 to 64 centimetres, and that's $36. The leash is 120 centimetres long, and it's priced at $40. So uh, I think if you're I – know, I know that pet owners will relate to this – your dogs are like members of your family. You love to spoil them. I know we do. Uh, they often get lots of treats and lots of little new things, and uh, they are, as I said, a part of the family. So this is yet another product that you may be able to uh, decorate your dog with. It's it's uh, it's a really cool thing that, and a lot of people, a lot of people will comment on it. They will that uh, they'll. I know when we when we were walking with them, uh, they people were asking where did you get them, and they they were they were really curious about them. The answer to that question is they're available through pet barn so if you've got a pet barn store near you uh, you can check them out there the mighty pet led light up collars and leashes if you want to check them out you know where to go techguide.com.au Now, the Apple Store in Bondi has just reopened. It was shut for more than just over two months, and it it had a complete renovation. This is the store. The only thing that stayed in the store was the floor. The tiled floor was the only thing that didn't change in the whole store. 
Tech Guide was lucky enough to have a little sneak peek before it reopened uh, last weekend. So um, it, it, it look initially when I first walked in, I'm thinking, what's different here? It looks the same. But when you look a bit closer, there are a few changes. Uh, the the first one that caught my eye was the tables, the the famous wooden tables in the Apple stores. These are all new. Every table is now, uh, it, they, they've, it, they've got rid of all the tables. They've replaced them now uh, with a different kind of table. So they've gone from uh, a maple to oak table. So maple was that lighter, the lighter material. Now they've replaced all of those, and oak is the wood they've chosen to use. The lighter maple tables, gone. They've been there for years. The, the Bondi store opened nine years ago, so it's been around for a little while. Uh, but now a new look that is actually reflected across all Apple stores now. Apple stores, um, it's like McDonald's. Every McDonald's, you know how McDonald's tastes the same around the world? Well, Apple stores also look the same around the world. Same products, all the same there. So the the first thing you're going to see is the the, those new tables and there's a bit of a story that's told as well that tells a story when you walk in obviously the first thing you're going to see when you walk in the apple store are their products so the first line of tables is the phones so they're right there on all the tables and you can see them really easily when you move further into the store you're going to see the ipads and apple watch and, and another row and, and some more phones down on the side. When you move even further into the store, then you're going to hit the laptops and the iMacs as well. And you'll notice too that down each side of the, of the store, they call them avenues where the, once the products are finished, then the avenues then feature accessories uh, and cases and things like that that you can then use with your Apple product. So the story continues as you walk into the store. Then you reach a support area, which is where you can do things like do your personal setup of your devices, where what, what the old Genius Bar is located now. So rather than it being called the Genius Bar, they call it the support area. So there's tables where customers can sit down and the Apple, uh, the Apple staff then helps them to, to solve their problems uh, as well. So you've moved further in the store. The support area is there. You, uh, you, this is where you can set up your device, get help with your device, find an accessory for your device. But then at the very back of the store is the forum area. This is where you there's this massive screen that goes the width of the store at the back there. Now, the Bondi store was also, uh, when it first opened, it was the world's first Apple store that had trees inside. The trees have gone, but they've been replaced by these new plant walls. There are, there's a wall uh, up on the left and right side just below the skylight, and there are more than 7,000 plants that have been set up there that are specially irrigated as well so that all the plants are wa- can be watered and look cared for. There are actually uh, there's people that come in and tend to the plants to, to, uh, to keep them, to make them thrive. This is the sort of attention to detail that Apple has also gone to. The, the plants are arranged in such a way that the light hitting the plants, they work out with the best position for the plants depending on how much light they need. So the position on the walls, and you can see these pictures on Tech Guide, is where they've positioned the plants so that they get the best result. 
and on the screen too in this forum area is where customers can enjoy their today at Apple lessons uh, and, and other thing, other experiences. So if you want to come in and try a device or uh, learn how to take better photos, how to, to draw or to create music, there's all these available for free to customers. We were in there for our tour and we were given a, a, a bit of a look at the Procreate app, which is actually created by Australian developers. They're Australian developers based in Tasmania. Procreate's a brilliant drawing and sketching app that is remarkable. And it was it was fantastic experience to learn a little bit more about it, to find out all these these cool tips and tricks on what you can do and how you can make your, your drawings and sketches even better, how to share them. All those details are in our story on Tech Guide. But if you're a customer who already ha- owns an Apple device and wants to learn how to use it uh, even better to learn new features or you're a customer who doesn't who doesn't own a device you're welcome to t- come along and use the iPhone or iPad or whatever they're offering uh, that's available to customers right there in the store so they're really trying to create that community feel within the store there's no pressure for any customers to buy any products but this is a place for people to gather to to learn more to, to be more creative and to learn more about the devices that they may want to purchase or the ones that they already own uh, the Apple Store in Bondi, already open to the public. If you live in Sydney, definitely worth a visit. So uh, if you want to see, though, if you don't live in Sydney and still want to see it, you can check it out at techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly supported by Norton. That's the company that can protect you and your family online. We live in a world where hackers are constantly finding new ways to steal your personal information. And because we spend so much time online, it's quite possible we could find ourselves in a cyber criminal sites. The Norton team is dedicated to keeping people safe online, no matter how they connect. So whether you're paying bills on your phone, shopping on your tablet or banking on your laptop, Norton Security Premium is working behind the scenes to help keep your information, your identity and your devices protected. For more information on how to protect your digital life, visit au.norton.com. And now, answering all your tech questions, the Tech Guide Help Desk. We had a few questions on the Tech Guide help desk this week. Uh, the first was we had a reader uh, contact us about the difficulty for them to transfer their photos to their computer from their Android device. They had one device that worked very well. The other device, they couldn't find it on their computer as uh, as a drive and they couldn't drag off the photos. Uh, I said, well, the probably the best solution is to use a, 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 a cloud backup. Being an Android device, you can use Google Drive, Google Photos that can easily back up your device, mainly your photos and other documents and things up in the cloud so that if you want to view them on a different device, maybe a computer, maybe another phone, you can do that. So rather than having to stuff around and put them on a computer, then put them back on a phone, just keep them up in the cloud is my tip. Uh, I did have another call from, uh, an email I should say, from a a reader asking about internet security protection. Uh, She said she was paying about $130 a month and only had protection for one mobile, one laptop and one desktop computer. Uh, I think, whoa, that's a bit steep. You can can now purchase uh, 
usually about 100 bucks. You can get uh, up to five licenses, so for your laptops, for your mobile devices as well, for about $99.95. Norton, our great sponsors, I think at the moment have a special. The Internet Security Premium is $89.99, and that gets you five licenses. So uh, well worth a look there. Uh, the other question I get, and this, I get this question a lot, so I decided to talk about it this week. A lot of people ask me, what is a good NBN provider? Now, this, this is a tricky question because the NBN providers, no matter which one you choose, are all accessing the same connection. In, in my case here, I've got fiber to the curb in my street, uh, and if I had have gone, I stayed with my, my ISP Optus, but if I had have gone through Telstra, through Aussie Broadband, through Republic, anyone, it would have used the same connection. So it's not like you're limited to Telstra because you've only got a Telstra cable in your street. No matter what our ISP you have, they're accessing the same connection. So in that, that's nothing. That's not going to change. The thing that does change among NBN providers is the bandwidth they have purchased in your area. So, for example, if you live in an area where uh, say it's Telstra, have got a huge amount of bandwidth, uh, then you're going to get a great connection. If you live in an area where they don't have as much bandwidth as, say, Optus does, then your results may vary. Uh, the, the companies won't tell you that up front. They, they'd like you to sign up and see how you go. Uh, what my suggestion is, try them, trial them for a month. If they don't work, get rid of them and bring someone else in. So you're not stuck with a service that doesn't work very well. In my case, I thought, look, I'm going to give my existing internet service provider Optus a go, and and, and they've been okay. They've, they've, I'm on the 100 down, 40 up plan, and the speeds are there. Uh, even at night, I'm getting about 93, 94, which is their, within their evening uh, speed expectations. So it's been it's worked out very well for me. But my suggestion is, Maybe give your ISP, your existing ISP, the first crack. If they don't perform, then you, you've got plenty of choices to go elsewhere. Uh, lots, lots of internet service providers uh, that you can choose from. Uh, you know, talk, look, look at the reviews on their websites. Talk to your friends. Get some recommendations, uh, and and go from there. But. There is not one NBN ISP that's better than the other. It really depends on where you live, what sort of connection you've got. There are a lot of variables in that. You're listening to Tech Guide. And that's the end of our show for this week. Everything we've spoken about on the show, you can find at techguide.com.au. And if you want to get in touch, record a voice bite. Click on that record button on the Tech Guide site. You can you can record your question through voice bite. We'll play your question. Your voice will be on the show, and I will answer those questions live on the program as well. Uh, you can uh, also go old school and send us an email, info at techguide.com.au, if you want to send yours via email, if you want. A special thanks, too, to our sponsors, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs, and also Norton, the company that keeps your family and your devices safe online. Thanks for listening. We look forward to you joining us again next week. So until then, stay safe and stay connected.